good morning. We want to welcome you to Broadway 1109 as people are still trickling in and finding their seats. We want to invite you to stand and worship with us this morning. Make way for you, prepare a place for you. Let our praise become your throne. Hear your people sing, give you everything. Jesus, all for you alone. All hail the King, all hail the Savior. Oh! 
Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. We do want to welcome you to Broadway 1109. We are excited that you're here and glad that you're able to be with us this week. We're honored that you would spend uh, an hour out of your week with us this morning. If you're new here, uh, maybe this is your first time or your first time in a while, we hope you've got a bulletin on your way in. Uh, there's a perforated tab on the edge of that. That's our Connect card. We hope that you will fill that out, tear it off, and you can drop it either in the offering plate here in just a moment, or if you missed that, that's okay. There's a second opportunity. You can drop it at our welcome desk in the back of our sanctuary as you leave today. Uh, that's our way of getting to know you a little bit better, and uh, we hope that you'll fill that out and turn it in for us. Uh, I want to go ahead and introduce uh, Miss Adrian Carroll. Adrian leads our women's ministry here. They've got a lot of exciting stuff going on, and uh, she wants to tell you a little bit about an event that they have going on next Friday that we hope you'll be a part of. here at Broadway Baptist Church. We are going to be having an event this Friday, November the 15th, downstairs in the Fellowship Hall at 6.30. We'll have child care. Um, it's a get-to-know-us event, so we want um, to know all of our ladies that are joining us, as well as a time for you to meet all the ladies that serve on the women's ministry. We'll have food, just a great time of fellowship, some door prizes, just fun little time of get-together, get-to-know-each-other. So we'd love for you to join us this Friday at 6.30. Thanks, Adrian. I think that's going to be a great opportunity, ladies. If you're not already connected here at Broadway, I think that's going to be a great chance for you to get to know some folks and really get connected with our church family. So we want to encourage you to be a part of that. As we continue to worship together this morning, let's pray, and then we're going to stand and sing some more. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to be in your house. We thank you that, uh, Lord, we can come and approach your throne boldly in worship. God, we thank you for that opportunity. Lord, we pray now that as we continue in our service, Lord, uh, we pray that you are honored, that you're glorified, that yours is the only name that's lifted high this morning, Lord. We pray that you are exalted in all that we do. God, we thank you that you love us, and we thank you uh, for Jesus who you sent to die on the cross for our sins so that we could have eternal life with you. We thank you for the salvation and the grace that you give us through that. And it's in his powerful name that we pray, in the name of Jesus, that we pray. Amen. And everybody can stand, and let's sing together as we continue to worship together this morning. of the Son of Man, the stories of the Savior, and holiness with human hands, and a treasure for a traitor, no ear had heard, no eye had seen. of the Father until heaven came to live with me a rescue like no other sing it out
Glorify, glorify the name of all 
seated for a moment. I'm going to go ahead and invite our ushers to come forward. As they do, I want to introduce you to Mr. David Humlong. David is one of our deacons here at Broadway, and he's going to pray for us as we move into our time of giving this morning. grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. prodigal is welcomed home, the sinner now is saved. For the God who died came back to life, and everything has changed. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, fear, where is your power? The mighty King of kings has disarmed you. Delivered and redeemed, eternal life is ours. Oh, praise His name for us. Stand and join us as we sing. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave, hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave, and all throughout eternity, our song will be the same, hallelujah. Christ is risen from the the day you called me in to heaven's sweet embrace I'll see your scars your open arms the beauty of your face through tears of joy I lift my voice in everlasting praise hallelujah Christ is risen from the grave oh death where is your sting oh fear where is your power the mighty king of kings has disarmed you delivered and redeemed eternal life is ours oh praise his name 
salvation, the, the, the promises that we have in your resurrection. God, we love you. We thank you for the salvation that you give us so freely that we can have a relationship with you. It's in Jesus' powerful and precious name that we pray. Amen. Before you have a seat, uh, this is Veterans Day, and so this morning here at Broadway, we want to honor our veterans and say thank you for the service that they have. So I'm going to go ahead and invite uh, Francis and Roy, if you all would come forward, and we're going to take a second to, to honor our veterans this morning. Join me as we say the Pledge of Allegiance together this morning. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. You can be seated for a moment. Well, tomorrow marks 101 years, and I can honestly say, no, I was not there when they signed the Union. Besides that it's 5 a.m. local time, how silk is will cease at 11 a.m. And during that time, there were 7,500 casualties because some of the men in charge won fame and glory at someone else's expense. But we have fame and glory at someone else's expense. His name is Jesus. Today, I want to present this flag on behalf of this church and his racial nation for a man who has served not only his country, but has served his Lord and God. And I want to thank him and his lovely spouse, Brother James Hurd and Marjorie, could you please come forward?
Thank you, Roy. I do appreciate that. It's, it's certainly important to honor our veterans. Tomorrow is Veterans Day, so it's going to be a, a special day if we remember those. Uh, th- if you have your Bible, I hope you do, turn to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18. Then in a little bit, we're going to flip over our Bibles and we're going to look at 1 John chapter 2. So we're going to look at those two sections this morning. If you have your bulletin insert, you want to go ahead and pull out your um, sermon notes there to follow along there. Uh, we, we are on the four, we're on the fourth part of a series called Babylon. The past three weeks, now week four, we've been looking at what the Bible says about Babylon, even starting all the way to Genesis chapter 10 with a man named Nimrod who is an empire builder and he wanted to make his name great. Then you get to the next chapter, that's Genesis chapter 11, and that's what we call the Tower of Babel and what was going on there in the Tower of Babel. The Babel, the folks were trying to build a giant tower to the heavens so they could be important and also have a great name. All the way through the scriptures, from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, when we see Babylon mentioned, it's always about this man-centered, prideful, arrogant way of life. And that's what we're going to come to tonight. Um, tomorrow, or, or, or next Sunday is what we call Budget Catch-Up Sunday. So I want to encourage you to certainly be a faithful giver and tither here at Broadway Baptist Church. Your giving goes towards reaching the world and our city for Christ. It's certainly important to do that, and we honor the Lord with our first fruits. Also, speaking of that, this afternoon our church's stewardship committee will be meeting, and then they, tonight is our, every year we have our Thanksgiving dinner, and we always host our dinner very early, so it doesn't conflict with your fa- uh, family's Thanksgiving plans, but tonight the stewardship committee will have our budget, the new 2020 budget available. You'll be able to pick it up downstairs at the dinner, out the welcome center, or is it in the church office? So you can certainly uh, pick that up. We'll be voting on our budget next week during our business meeting with that. So speaking of the dinner tonight, I want to invite you tonight to come. A church potluck, what this is, this is where the church provides the turkey, the dressing, and the gravy. You're to bring whatever else you want to eat. So whatever you want to have, we have there. Now remember, these type of events, we have a long line. It's downstairs in the fellowship hall tonight, 6 o'clock. If you come from a real large family, what happens is, you, if you're at the back of the line in Mama's kitchen, and then you come and there's the pot, all you're getting is the crust and the leftover stuff there. That's kind of what it's like at a church potluck. If you're at the front of the line, you're getting good stuff. But if you're at the back of the line, you're getting the stuff nobody else wanted. So you come here, jump, cut in line, get in there really early, and you'll be able to get some great food tonight at 6 o'clock. So that's a fantastic event. There's no service. Your whole family, extended family, everyone's invited to that. So I, um, uh, we, ask, uh, we, we provide those things. We ask everybody to bring either a dish or a dessert that they certainly like with that. Open your Bibles here, Revelation chapter 18. I want you to follow along. This is a passage that I believe it really tells us about where Babylon is going. Now remember, what is Babylon in the book of Revelation? Babylon represents our culture. It represents the atmosphere of the air. It's where everywhere you go, there's just this sense of, gosh, a lot of folks aren't living for the Lord. A lot of people do not have a relationship and a real knowledge and a closeness of Jesus. So that's what we come to here when we read about this. Christ is calling us. He's calling us, even though we live in maybe an immoral country, an immoral city. Christ is saying, you're in it, but you're not of it. And that's what we're going to see here. So follow along here in your Bible. Revelation chapter 18, verse 1. After this, I saw another angel with great authority coming down from heaven. And the earth was illuminated by his splendor. He called out in a mighty voice, It has fallen. Babylon the great has fallen. So we see here this great city, this, this, um, uh, this anti-God secular culture has fallen. 
And we know we love our country, and tomorrow is Veterans Day, and we certainly do honor being Americans, but we also know Jesus has told us that heaven and earth will pass away. There's ultimately, here in the United States, it will not last forever. We're citizens of America, and we certainly support and love our country. But our most important citizenship, and what we, who we honor most, first and foremost, is that our citizenship in heaven. We honor the Lord. That's what it means to, um, to be an American. So we see that this great city has fallen. She has become a home for demons. Do you ever feel like Lexington, our state, it's demonic? Do you ever feel like, gosh, there's all these bad things going on here in our country? She has, she has a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, and a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. The kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from her sensuality and excess. Then I heard another voice from heaven. We quoted this one last week. Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins. So we are called out of this immoral lifestyle. We're called out, even though we live here in an immoral place, we're not to be of it. Our church is part of the Kentucky Baptist Convention, which makes up the Southern Baptist Convention. Here in Kentucky, there are almost 2,400 Southern Baptist churches. And you're a part of one of them right here. Every year in November, the KB, KBC has an annual meeting. This year, the annual meeting is at Emmanuel Baptist Church. I don't invite y'all to attend. You could be a messenger for a church that's on Tuesday. You get to hear reports about what's going on in the, in the state. As well as Monday night, they have something called a pastor's conference, which most of the folks there aren't pastors. Anybody's welcome. They have J.D. Greer preaching at it at Emmanuel on Monday night. Uh, he's our current president of the Southern Baptist Convention, so just outstanding speakers. I invite you this week. If you have nothing going on, you're certainly welcome to come to that. But what they do whenever the KBC meets, they have something called crossover. Crossover is a very large evangelistic outreach. And they have them throughout this whole week. And like, for example, this past Wednesday night, um, Chris Wright led a group over at the Manchester Music Hall. And had the KBC rented out that event and had a big concert and shared the gospel. Uh, yesterday, we participated in something called Crossover, um, the, the door-to-door outreach. And what we did is we had, and it wasn't just our church, it was about 75 folks from all, all over the place. We met at a local church. And then what happened is our team had seven people and we went out in the neighborhoods right here. And this is Babylon. This just reminds. So we're going out and we're knocking on doors. This is Saturday morning. It was about 11 o'clock or so. So we go out and we have information about how to be saved as well as invitations to church. So it's a great, great opportunity of just getting out in the community. And if folks aren't there, you leave a little door hanger thing on the door. We were there. And right here, two blocks from our church, we went in this neighborhood all through here. There's about 100 plus homes. We go there, and one man came to the door, and 99% of the people are very cordial and kind. Even if they're not into church and Jesus, they still take the material because there's gospel tracts. And anytime you plant a seed, you have no idea how the Lord's going to use it. I mean, you give somebody a gospel track at their door, they might just be sitting at home thinking, I'm nothing to do. I'll read it, see what it says. And God uses, God's word never returns void. We knocked on a door. This man came to the door, and this is what he said. Oh, I'm not into religion. I said, well, sir, do you just want this information? He said, no, I, I, I don't want it. And he shut the door. And that statement he made, I'm not into religion. Guys, that's Babylon. That's a picture of our city. That's a picture of our country where, yes, there's a lot of folks that are worshiping the Lord this Sunday morning, but there's a lot of folks also who are sitting at home and they're not even thinking that Sunday is a day of worship and a day of remembering the Lord and honoring His resurrection. 
And I want us to remember, right here, we live in Lexington. This is our mission field. There are people, not even two blocks from this church, that are spiritually lost. They're lost. They have bought the Babylon lie. Meaning, what that means is, they are just following along down this road of secularization. Following this road here of of a lifestyle that does not honor, does not even think about what God's Word says. They don't live that way. And Jesus is telling you and I that we aren't to be like that. We are told here, look at verse 4. Come out of her, my people. One of the best ways to illustrate Babylon was there was an Old Testament city called Sodom. And if you remember the story of Abraham, God called Abraham. He is the father of the Jews. He was called out of an area really not far from Babylon, Babylon in the Ur of the Chaldeans. And God called this man. He was with Sarai. And they had no children. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Your, your, your descendants are going to be like the stars of the sky. And he's probably thinking, I don't have no children right now. But he obeyed and he listened to the Lord. And God called him to a new land, to a land called the promised land. But when he left, he brought someone with him. He brought his nephew named Lot. And Lot and Abraham, it's amazing how two people who live in the same house could have such radically different beliefs. Lot, they got to the promised land. And in the Dead Sea region, Lot looked out the plains of Jordan. And he says, I'm going to go settle over there. That looks like a nice place. And there was a city there called Sodom. And he went and lived in Sodom. And his kids went to Sodom High School. And he worked with the Sodomites. And he, him and his wife and his three girls, they all loved Sodom. He just became one of the culture. Right there with Sodom. And what happened in Sodom was one day God, Abraham was looking out over the mountain. And God spoke to him and says, Abraham, I'm going to destroy those two wicked cities down there on the plain called Sodom and Gomorrah. But first, you have a relative who I'm going to save. And the only reason I'm saving your relative is because I honor you, Abraham, in Lot is related to you. So these two witnesses, these two angels came and they went, took, took, they went into Sodom to go get Lot out. But Lot didn't want to leave. In fact, the men there were immoral men. Back in the old days, you may have heard something called sodomy laws. I think even Kentucky used to have these laws on the books. Now most states have gotten them off their books. But sodomy laws are named after the men of Sodom. And what happened is these two angels come into the city to rescue Lot and his family, but they didn't want to go. Lot wanted them to spend the night. And then the men came to break down the door in the middle of the night and said, Lot, Lot, we've got a, you know, you've got these visitors here. We want to have sexual relations with them. It's the sin of homosexuality. And what happened was, Lot, listen to this, Lot called, this is in Genesis 18 and 19, he called the men, the immoral men of the city, his brothers. Meaning, he had been living there for a while, and he was associating with them. He had become one of the culture, and that's what's so dangerous. That's what Babylon does to you. And do you know when Lot left, he finally drug his daughters out with him, but his daughters were engaged. And his sons-in-laws looked at him and go, sons-in-laws, it's time to go. And they laughed at Lot. So that crazy man, what? God's not going to destroy this place. Have a beer. Let's have a good time. This is Sodom. Everything's great around here. Even Lot's wife, when she was leaving, she struggled with leaving because she looked back and wanted to go back to her long, her old way of life. 
And the Bible says she turned into a pillar of salt. God rained down fire and burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah. Completely destroyed those cities there. They're gone. There's no signs of them left. And what happened was, Lot's family, he brought his family to this city. He raised his family in this environment. But Lot was not like that originally. Sodom took over. The Sodomite culture. The atmosphere in the air. It destroyed his family. Do you know even after that event happened. Do you know what his daughters did to Lot? Lot's daughters got Lot drunk. Their dad. And basically raped their dad. How did they know to do that? They lived in Sodom. It was their culture. That, listen, that is the problem of Babylon. It creeps into your life. It creeps into your family. And Christ is calling you and I, you and I, to come out of her. We have to be careful. Because you can live here in Lexington. Just like that man two, two blocks down the road here in our, our church neighborhood. And he lives a completely lost lifestyle. He wants nothing to do with God and God's Word. And Christ is telling you and I that that is not for us. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Lot might have lived in Sodom, but he was not to allow Sodom to become part of his family. And he did. You know, that's not the only family. Lot wasn't the only family. Do you remember the story of Nineveh? Do you know there was this wicked city called Nineveh? And God raised up this prophet called Jonah. And he said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach to the Ninevites. Why? Because their wickedness, their sin, has just reached all the way up. It has such an immoral city God was going to judge and destroy it. And what happened there, as we all know the story of Jonah, Jonah eventually got there via a well, but eventually he went there and preached to the Ninevites, and they repented of their sin, and they turned to the Lord. But if they wouldn't have, God would have destroyed their town, their city. And we see here in the Bible, when we get to Revelation chapter 18, a city called Babylon. But Babylon isn't just the Babylon that's located there in current day Iraq, 55 miles south of Baghdad. This Babylon in the book of Revelation is the entire world around us. It's a culture in a place that pulls people away from the Lord. I have a picture up here. Yesterday was a special day in world history. I have a picture of the Berlin Wall. Now I'm going to leave it here. I want to talk about this. What's, what, what's going on in this photo. If you were alive in 1989, on November 9th, 1989, that would have been 30 years ago yesterday, something significant occurred. The Berlin Wall collapsed. I don't want to tell you why it collapsed. That's a picture of the wall there. The Berlin Wall separated West Germany from East Germany. East Germany was part of the Soviet Union and the bloc there. And it, that was there, Miguel Gorbachev, Mr. Gorbachev was the, uh, their leader. That's what we call communism. Well, on June 12, 1987, our former president, Ronald Reagan, he went to West Germany. He set up right there. On the, right there at the wall, right there in Westford, Germany, he gave a speech. And he was walking up to the speech, and he saw this. I don't know if you can read it. But it says here, he's walking up, he gave the speech. And he saw graffiti. On the wall, there's just graffiti. It's just a big mess there. People are spray painting stuff. And it says, the wall will fall. Beliefs become reality. And Ronald Reagan mentioned this statement here. He said he saw that because where the little podium was, you can go back and find this all on YouTube and everything about his speech. His little podium was just next to this. And it's talking, and he gave this speech. I want to quote what he said. He goes up, he makes a speech about against communism 
and about talking about how we need to reunify Germany, how this uh, communism has just literally divided East and West Germany. And he made this statement, President Reagan, he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Now he said that a year and a half before the wall came down. And, you know, when he first said that statement, of course, the communists and the East Germans just blew it off and whatever. But I want to tell you something. He saw something, President Reagan. He saw that the people there, eventually, the German people were going to make this wall fall. Because eventually your beliefs, the beliefs in a unified Germany, will ultimately come to a reality. And that wall we know in 1989, 30-year anniversary from yesterday, it fell. I want to tell you what the, the statement means and why it's so powerful. If you have Babylon beliefs, if the Babylon culture is all in your home, it's all in your children, it's everywhere you go at work and at school, eventually, if you and I aren't careful, we will believe it beliefs become reality. You believe something enough and you believe it's real. The Germans there in West Germany, they knew eventually this wall will come down. Jesus is telling us, if you aren't careful, your spiritual life will get sucked into this world. Keep going here in your Bible. Go back to um, Revelation chapter 18. Verse 4, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to the heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Pay her back the way she also paid, and double it according to her works. In the cup in which she mixed, mix a double portion for her, as much as she glorified herself and indulged in her sensual and excessive ways. Give her that much torment and grief. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen. And this is the arrogance that our culture will have. I am not a widow and I will never see grief. For this reason, her plagues will come in just one day. Death and grief and famine. She would be burned up with fire because the Lord God who judges her is mighty. This is the fall of Babylon. Babylon represents the culture that will create for the end times. When Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter 17, Sodom. He says the day of the Lord will be like Sodom. It will be swift and sudden destruction. Out of nowhere, bam. You were not prepared for it. How sad would it be if Christ comes back or the Antichrist raises up and comes to power and here is this Sodom culture all around us. And you have been swept away just like Lot's family. Listen, if it can happen to Lot's family, and Lot was with Abraham, Lot was there when God was speaking to Abraham, if it can happen to Lot, it can happen to you. Sodom, Nineveh, Babylon, it's a culture and city and State of the times that pulls you down into that road. Turn in your Bible. Last scripture we're going to look at. Look here in your Bible, the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 17. The author of Revelation also was the author of 1 John. This is John here in the Bible. Look what God says about the danger of being worldly. We are commanded by the Lord. We are warned that if we're not careful, we can fall into this. Before you turn there, though, in your bulletin, sir, I want you to look at this. I read um, one fake news channel. It's called the Babylon Bee. If you see here, there's a picture. The Babylon Bee has an unusual name. It fits right in with Babylon sermon series. The Babylon Bee is what we call Christian satire. You see it all over Social media just takes uh, funny things. And uh, there was an article that came out on Wednesday. And it has this guy here at the picture of an American flag. And he's got his cowboy hat on. He's standing in front of it. It looks like the ranch. 
And he makes this statement. Christian, not sure why he should look forward to heaven when he already lives in America. Like, well, who needs a heaven when we already live here? That there is exactly what we see in the book of Revelation. Why do we need to be a citizen of heaven when, by golly, we're citizens of the U.S. of A. This is the greatest nation in the history of the world. I'm proud to be an American. We are reminded, the book of Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven. Christ tells us, as great as it is to be here, it's more important that we honor the Lord with our life. That there, I just didn't get a laugh for it, but that was a, uh, that's a story you can go on the Babylon Bee and you can read about. Look here on your, um, look up here on the board. First John chapter 2. Look what Jesus tells us. What is John telling us? Do not love the world or the things in this world. We are told we do not love this world. We don't even love the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father, it's not in him. Meaning, you can't love Sodom. You can't love worldliness and be a believer. It's an either or. We're either going to love the Lord or we're going to love this world. Worldliness is the desire that you just live daily. And you, don't, you go throughout life and you don't even think about Jesus. You want to know the one telltale sign that you are a prideful, worldly person. It's called prayerlessness. When you don't pray, what you're saying is, God, I can do it myself. I don't need your help. I don't need to cry out to you for your, your help in my life. That's what worldliness is. It's a sign of prayerlessness. It represents that. Look here. Verse 16, it goes on to say, For everything in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's possessions, is not from the Father, but it's from the world. So this is from, this is from the devil, literally. God doesn't create worldliness in us. Verse 17, look at this warning. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. This morning, Christ is calling you and I. He's calling you and I to say no to the Babylonian spirit that's all around us. He's calling you and I that we daily live, wake up and say, Lord, this is the day that the Lord has made. I am going to live for you. Young folks, when you go to school, you're saying, I'm going to be different. I'm not going to live and act and behave like these other folks do. God, I am going to do your will. God blesses us when we live a life that honors him. Jesus Christ is calling you and us out of Babylon. He's calling us out of Sodom. He's calling us out of cities and states and countries of immorality. It's all around us. It's an attitude is we don't need the Lord. And Jesus is looking at us and says, you need the Lord more than ever. Do you want to live a life that fulfills God's will? Do you want to live a life that you're passionate for the Jesus? This is it. This is the reality. Christ is saying, I have a quote up here about sports. Because I believe this is very common with parents. And just our priorities. Because ultimately, and how I want to end this this morning, God is asking you, what is most important to you? What is your priority? Parents or grandparents who put more priority on weekend sports. Do you know I live near Shilto Park? Non-stop sport, children's sports over there. All the time. Do you know if you hopped in your car and you drove to Shilto Park, there's probably a thousand folks there playing ball or soccer, or football, or name the sport, whatever season it is, just goes on. Parents who put more priority on weekend sports over Sunday church will one day realize they've produced a child that's neither a real athlete nor a true disciple. 
That is absolutely a fact. And if you, at a time in your life where you're putting so much of your energy into maybe it's school, sports, extracurricular activities, what's going to happen is you are going to grow up or you're going to open, your eyes are going to be open one day and go, my goodness, my children, my grandchildren, my friends, my family, they're like Lot. You have a godly Abraham and a wicked nephew that the culture just sucked into his whole family. How could you have one family member who loves the Lord so much and another that loves Sodom? How, and even calls the, Sodom, the men of Sodom brothers. How do you do it? It's called a Babylonian spirit. It's all around us. This morning, Christ is calling you out of this. Is your priority the Lord? Do you live for Jesus? Do you raise your children and your grandchildren to come to know the Bible? To come to know, have a prayer life, and to come to worship and make Him first and foremost? If you don't, they will end up just like Abraham's nephew. Where you look around and go, Lexington's the greatest city in the place. There's nothing wrong with this place. It's wonderful. And, cry, and the Lord is saying, I will destroy it. Just like that man, two blocks from here, I don't need religion. I don't need that. I'm not interested. We are being told that daily. This morning, do you know Jesus? Is Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life? Do you live for Him? Do you, are you aware of the Babylonian spirit that supports the Antichrist when you get to the book of Revelation that just leads people down a road to slaughter and they don't even know it? They don't even know it. Christ is saying, run from it. Jesus is saying to us, live for me. Make me your priority. God, I pray for the folks this morning. I pray for every single person here that we will not fall into Babylon. That we will not be doomed and deceived by this immorality that pervades us all over the place. God, you're calling us to come out. Don't let us be like, like Lot in the men of Sodom. And fall into the trap. And think, oh, it's okay. It's no big deal. Jesus, I pray this morning. If there's anybody here that needs to follow you. As their Lord and Savior. And they need to become a believer. I pray they will not let this invitation pass. Lord, it's an honor to come and worship you in your house. Jesus, thank you for your word. Use these words to remind us of the danger of worldliness. I pray this invitation, if we need to make a decision to become part of this church, we will do so today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to invite everyone to stand. We close every single worship service here with an invitation. Chris and the Broadway band lead us in our song. I'll be standing out front. You can make a decision to follow Christ or make a decision to be part of this church family. So we're going to sing and I'll be waiting for you. thousand stories of what they think you're like but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone you're good Good Father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. Oh, I.
but I know we're all searching for answers only you provide because you know just what we need before we say a word you're a good good father to you forget that uh, tonight is our Thanksgiving dinner. That's at six o'clock. Uh, we would love to have you join us. The church will provide uh, turkey, dressing, and gravy. Is that right, Pastor? Okay. Turkey, dressing, and gravy is provided by the church. If you want to bring a dish, uh, you are welcome to do so. It is a potluck, but uh, we hope you do bring your appetite. So we will see you at six o'clock tonight in our fellowship hall. Uh, and don't forget, Friday, of course, is our Women's Get to Know You event. Ladies, hope you will get involved with that. Uh, we are excited about some of the things that are going on and uh, excited about what God has in store for our church. Let's pray together, and we are going to get out of here. Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that we are able to come and worship you, and Lord, that we had a time of uh, fellowship and, and corporate worship together this morning. We thank you for uh, that opportunity. God, we pray that you were honored. We pray that you were glorified. Lord, now as we go our separate ways, God, we pray that your spirit would lead, guide, and direct us in all that we do. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a good afternoon. We'll see you at 6.